listeners, welcome to our latest episode of Seeing USD EdChat, a podcast for educators and families. The joy of our job is the opportunity to meet with some of the most dedicated, passionate, and innovative educators. This episode is no exception. I had the opportunity to chat with AJ Giuliani and Katie Martin, fellow Edu podcasters. You can hear them frequently on the podcast, The Innovator's Mindset. Pop them in the queue for you to listen to right after this episode of Seeing USD EdChat. here at uh, Norco High School in Norco, California, right before an S-Day that will feature 800 of our teachers, right, from all eight of our high schools at this Corona-Norco Unified School District. And we are here with AJ Giuliani and Katie Martin. Will you just begin by introducing yourselves and tell us a little bit about your experience in education? I'm Katie Martin, and I am currently head of partnerships at Alt School, and I think when I think of myself, I'm at the very core middle school teacher. Uh, started uh, teaching middle school language arts. I was an instructional coach, a new teacher mentor. Through all of my work, I've also been going to school. So I'm always focused on research and putting that into practice and then really studying what we're doing in schools and making sure that we're doing the best for our kids and supporting teachers to do that work. I have been fortunate to work with an amazing leaders in education doing um, a lot of great work for kids to see a lot of the systems and structures that need to be in place for teachers to really thrive and support their kids. And I keep learning every place I go. Excited to be here. AJ Giuliani, I'm just going to say, Katie forgot to mention that she's the author of Learner Center and Innovation. <laughs> so I'll put that out there Thank for you, her. AJ. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and working with all of you guys, mostly because Philadelphia is rainy right now. It's been rainy oh. for about four weeks, mm -hmm. so uh, this is beautiful to just come out and see the sun yeah. uh, and have some nice weather is great. And uh, I've, I've been in education at all different levels. And so uh, currently right now, I'm the director of learning and innovation for the Centennial School District. We pretty much took our technology department and our teaching and learning department and just put it together into one big department, uh, which I head up right now. And I've worked as a high school teacher, middle school teacher, K-5 instructional coach, K-12 technology staff developer, adjunct faculty at University of Pennsylvania for the Graduate School of Education. And uh, throughout the past couple of years, I've just uh, been lucky enough to work with people all over the country uh, around empowering students and getting kids to create and teachers uh, to lead that work. So I'm excited to talk about that today. And you want oh. to mention your book, oh. <laughs> Empowered, good team and the PBL right Playbook. Hello, two of yes. my favorites. <laughs> What does it mean to be innovative in 21st century education? For me, when we talk about being innovative, a lot of times we talk about flashy things and all the latest and greatest technology and tools and spaces, uh, and they matter. They, they help us do the work, but for me, the most innovative educators I've ever seen are ones who know the kids, who look at the learners, understand them first, understand the greater context of the world that we live in and where we're going, and are helping to close that gap to make sure that kids are prepared um, in ways that they know themselves, they know where they're going, and they have skills and mindsets to get there. It's creating spaces and environments that do that for kids and educators. I really believe that to be innovative in the 21st century is the same thing to be innovative in any century, right? It's, it's really focusing on practices that are both new and better. Right, and I think a lot of times uh, we don't know when we first try something. Uh, I wouldn't say just trying something and taking a risk is, is necessarily the innovative practice. It's finding out what's better, what works for each kid, you know, identifying those things, whether it be digital tools or platforms or resources that can help you get to a place uh, where it's new and better for kids. You know, we have all these resources now that allow us to personalize learning like never before. 
that would be new and better, right? Having that opportunity uh, to do that would be innovative right now, 2018 and beyond. And really, we're looking to build experiences for kids that are meaning-centered, that are relevant, uh, and then actually get them kind of empowered and engaged in what they really kind of believe are their interests and their passions. I think we get stuck in innovation equals technology in the mm -hmm. classroom, and that scares a lot of people. So I like that it, you've expanded that definition for us just a little bit. How can a school site then work towards innovation? I'll jump in because I... I I work in a public school district right now, and I think it's hard work, right? Mm -hmm. uh, almost everywhere I've been, people have these pockets of innovation. There's teachers, there's students, there's school leaders that are running, that are kind of leading the work. Uh, there's a lot of folks that are a little bit hesitant. I think mm -hmm. sometimes people are hesitant um, mostly because of not being reflective on four specific things. And I, I kind of always say leaders and teachers have to ask these things. What am I allowing for? What am I supporting? What am I making time for? And what am I celebrating? When we really kind of think about those questions, typically our answers to those show whether or not we're really supporting innovative work and practices uh, based on what we're doing with those four things on a day-to-day -day basis. Things that you can do is you start to, to define what is it that we want kids to know and do? And if we start there and we start to think about what is it that we want our kids graduating with, what skills, then we can really innovate around that goal instead of just adding more and more things to our plates that become really overwhelming and we don't start taking things off. So if we start by looking at that, then we can evaluate our practices and figure out what do we need to keep doing, what do we need to stop doing, and what do we need to really improve and get better at. And then once you start understanding that, then it's kind of taking away this notion that everything needs to be perfect. And so I like to start with saying, like, let's celebrate. Let's celebrate what's working. If we've defined what we want to see and where we're going, let's, like, take inventory of that and celebrate and lift that up. And then you start opening classrooms and letting people explore, connecting those pockets of innovation by visiting each other, celebrating, by um, just seeing what's happening and validating your own practice. And then we've got to learn to get better. We got to coach each other, we got to learn, we got to grow, and we got to keep getting better instead of assuming that we have it all figured out. So, we kind of touched upon this maybe just a little bit, but what are some must do's and may do's for teachers and administrators when it comes to innovation? And then, and or, what are some misconceptions that you've experienced regarding innovation in education? I'm not really a must do kind of person, but I think if mm -hmm. I would say must, it's you got to know the, the learners. You have to start by knowing who's in your classroom and who they are. Um, and it sounds so simple, and I feel like I've said it ten times already. But I sat with a bunch of high school students the other day, and they said their teachers didn't know their names by the end of the school year. And the first thing they said is, how can you ask for feedback from somebody? How can you ask for help when someone doesn't know your name? Mm -hmm. So you can't be innovative and add all this technology or do something new if you don't know the people in your classroom, if you don't know the kids and what they care about and they don't feel valued, you can't do anything else. So I'd say, like for me, that's a must do. You also need to be able to figure out like what your priorities are because we can't do everything. So those two things matter and then may do, it, it, depends. it depends on the class, it depends on the environment. And um, you know, let people take risks and, and you also have to model that yourself as an educator. Yeah, I'll piggyback on the modeling piece. I think one of the biggest things and misconceptions is that as a leader, you need to be the one with innovative ideas. 
And that's actually mm-hmm. the worst thing <laughs> you can do yeah. uh, because then it's top down and people don't feel like they own it. It's the same thing with teachers. If you're the ones with the ideas all the time, then the students don't necessarily own it. You may be excited and, and jacked up about it, uh, but the kids aren't. I think of Sir Ken Robinson who said, you know, creative leaders aren't the ones who have all the ideas. They value the ideas of, of others, and I think that's a, a big piece. Um, one of the things I've, I've seen in my own school district is that that modeling then kind of leads down. So we have this teacher innovation uh, pitch program, right? And every year during the fall in November, we have a best practices conference where teachers are sharing with other teachers in our district what's working in the classroom, innovative things that they're trying. And then in April, they get to pitch their principals and the school leaders like superintendents um, of new ideas that they have. That way in the summer they can come uh, work on it, they get funding for it, and it's grown up from the teachers. And now teachers are starting to do the same thing with the kids. And so you've seen that kind of trickle-down effect of if you as a school leader are allowing others to have the ideas, then the teachers are also going to feel empowered to have uh, the kids have ideas. And I think that modeling is a big piece and the misconception that we need to drive it and the innovative people, the only ones with the ideas, is, is really, I think, what's hurting a lot of school districts because there's turnover in administration. <laughs> and so there's not as much turnover in teachers. And what happens, you get new administrator after new administrator that has idea after idea, and they're not really cultivating and growing that environment of an innovative uh, school and, and learning environment. They're actually just trying to kind of force it uh, without building those relationships first. What benefits have you seen when schools and districts focus on innovation and innovative practices? When learners, the kids in their classrooms and educators really see that their ideas matter and they understand that they can have new ideas and and they develop the skills to go and solve problems that's it that's the core of what we need people to right now and leaving our schools who can solve meaningful problems we have plenty of problems to solve and if we think that we're just going to give them all the information and then they're going to be set for life we're kidding ourselves so innovation isn't just because school looks better and the walls look cool and you walk into a Mm -hmm. space and people are having fun it's because Mm -hmm. they're learning the skills and developing the mind sense of capacity to solve the problems that matter in our world. We don't really know what the future of career is going to look like, what the future of college is going to look like. I've, I have four little kids of my own. I have no idea uh, what it's going to look like when they're in high school and college and, and if, if they're even going to do that. Uh, and I think one of the big pieces is that I think we were, we were uh, groomed as teachers and school leaders to prepare kids for something. And that was our big thing. We're preparing for college and career. And it's not like those things aren't important. It's just silly of us to think that we know what college and career is going to look like. Mm-hmm. If you look back on your own life, like my middle school teacher had no idea um, that I was going to be a director of technology or a director of learning and innovation. These jobs didn't even exist. My middle school teachers could have never prepared me for rolling out a one-to-one, it, uh, you know, or dealing with Chromebooks or iPads or smartphones because none of it existed. And so if you think about our kids in our classrooms right now, that's what they're going to be doing. Stuff that does not exist right now, solving problems that aren't problems right now. And so really the shift, I think, is focusing on helping kids learn to prepare themselves for anything because their world is going to be constantly changing. The same thing for for teachers and staff. And so the benefits when you have that mindset are that you're not focused on that next thing, the next unit, the next test, the next measurement. You're really focused on building what we would call 21st century skills or soft skills or those different types of, of skills that help kids and anybody really succeed when the future is unknown. You know, when you're thinking about my own two kids, third and fourth grade, and I see them solve problems at home and and do things that they they really enjoy, but if they're just focused on 
how to head a paper correctly or like the refrain is constantly we're preparing them for middle school and I'm like why what is it that what is it that middle school has that you're preparing them for instead of for life and to be successful and to have the confidence to go out and and do things that matter what advice can you give to teachers or to families to try tomorrow to try this week and to try this month I think the the number one question you can ask if you just want to start with something small is what decisions am I making for my kids, whether you're a parent or a teacher, that they could be making for themselves? Right? Really think about that, whether it's in a lesson or a project or just at home. What decisions are you making that the kids actually can make for themselves? And that's where I would start. I like that. I use that a lot. <laughs> I quote you, but I there use that a lot. Um, I would say in addition to that, um, one of the things you can do tomorrow is you can go into someone else's classroom. Yeah. Open up your doors, walk into someone else's classroom, start building those um, connections across across colleagues, across schools, classrooms, and start just start working together. This week I would say is start to think of like who you are as a learner. I often you know ask people think about your own learning experiences and what's the most powerful for you and how can we bring more of that into the classroom? How can we really start to think of what really matters in learning and what sticks and how we can bring more of that into the classroom? Um, and I'll throw this month back to AJ. Yeah, I, I mean, I think this month is really uh, plan to give your kids choice in something, right? I mm -hmm. think choice is a big driver of ownership, which then drives empowerment, which then drives deeper learning experience. So if you just start with that, where can I give choice? And it doesn't have to be something big like a genius hour, but just where can I give choice uh, in that kind of daily routine? And you can look out a month ahead, right? Unit ahead, whatever you're doing and kind of find that spot where maybe you could give them a choice. I think it's a good stepping stone to doing some of this work. So thank you so much, Katie and AJ. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for, thanks having, for having us. Yeah. Thank you, AJ and Katie, for chatting with me. You have inspired me to try and transform experiences for our students. You can hear more from them and other innovative educators on the Innovators Mindset podcast, available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and other podcast platforms, just like CNUSD at chat. If you enjoyed this episode or any of our other episodes or have found something meaningful, please leave a review on iTunes, post it on social media, or share it with an educator you know. We don't receive monetary compensation for this podcast, so our greatest reward is to know that you enjoy our podcast and are willing to share it with others. Hi, my name is Erin, and I'm in seventh grade. If you would like to comment on their podcast, go to cnusd.k12.ca.us slash edchat. And be sure to follow them on Twitter and Facebook at cnusd edchat to let them know the topics you're interested in. This episode was co-produced by Kate Jackson, Jenny Cordura, Anne-Marie Cortez, and me, Kim Kemmer. Our editor is Ken Pucci, and we appreciate all of his hard work and mad audio skills. Podcast world, he is for hire. He always makes us sound good. He cuts out all of my mistakes. Thank goodness for that. Okay. <laughs> Thank you all for listening to another episode of CNUSD Ed Chat. Take care. Bye. See, see you next time. Do we need to do that? Do the last line again. Okay. Go ahead. Thank you for listening to another episode of CNUSD Ed Chat. Take care. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to go. Ken, will you edit this? Thank goodness for that. Go ahead, Jenny. Thank you, you go next. Okay, thank you all for listening to another episode of CNUSD Ed Chat. Take care. See you next time. Bye.
I forgot what I said. No, that <laughs> see you next time is always my line. Okay, let's start over. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> I feel like I can't breathe. I can't move. <laughs> You're welcome, Ken. Oh my goodness. <laughs>